Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm the other pastor here. It is our privilege to have you with us. If you're a guest with us this morning, I know there were several of you came in. I was told that we um, ran short on connection cards, so if you didn't get one, let us get you one of those before you leave. Um, but uh, I saw all those children run out earlier, and the only thing I could think was that uh, they were all short one hour of sleep last night. So, you know, maybe what we should do is just pray for everybody that's over there with all the kids. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in the book of Mark in just a minute as you're turning. Uh, we've got baptism scheduled in a couple of weeks. If you have recently made a decision for Christ, or perhaps you made a decision for Christ many years ago, but you've never been baptized, I would urge you to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Uh, there's a link on our website that you can click on to register for baptism. If, if clicking on that link isn't your preferred method, you can call the church office and we will get all that taken care of, set up a meeting with the pastor and have that conversation. Do me a favor, don't grab me on the way out the door and say, hey, put me down because I'll forget. I'm just warning you right now, I, I won't remember that this morning, so please don't do that. Shoot us an email or, or make a phone call or just use the link on our church website. So uh, just March the 24th, if for some reason that doesn't fit into your schedule, listen, I promise we will schedule baptism around you if we need to. It is so important to us. All right, by now, hopefully you've made it to Mark chapter 9. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Here now, for this is the word of the Lord. Now, let's, let's catch a little bit of, of, uh, of context here. Remember, context is king when we are trying to understand God's word. It's important for us to remember that the disciples failed at casting out a demon. After they failed, they walk away sort of defeated. Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. They don't want to hear it because the disciples are too busy arguing about what? They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And in the midst of this power struggle, this, this ego challenge that the disciples are engaged in, apparently they encounter a man who is seeking to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. And apparently he didn't just seek. Apparently they actually encounter a man who did cast out a demon in the name of... So remember, this guy just did what they were not able to do. John, we believe to have been the youngest disciple. So at this point in the game, John may be a teenager. Okay? Those of us who have worked with teenagers, and some of you still do, understand where we are today. John's got his feelings hurt. John sees a guy doing what he wants to do. And so John handles it the only way that a five-year-old can. You ready? John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Remember that. We're going to come back to it. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would show us how it is that we may serve in your kingdom. And then, Lord God, in the midst of all that, remind us whose we are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Accidental partners. You ever accidentally partnered with somebody? You ever show up at one of those events and when you get there, they've already uh, assigned you a seat or they've already determined for you a, a partner or, 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 or classmate and a certain thing? I don't like those kinds of things. I like to show up with my own team. I like to walk in knowing who I'm going to be working with when I get there. I show up for these team building activities somewhere or something. They want to pair me up with somebody else. No, no, no. I want to bring my people to the game. I don't, I don't like having to trust in people that I don't know. But look, sometimes in life, we are going to need to rely upon people that we just don't know. What we have that happens right here in this scene is an accidental partnership. An accidental partnership in ministry. Because the disciples have been following Jesus for some while and they happen upon some other guy doing ministry in the name of Jesus and they go, whoa, 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 stop. This ain't going to work. You are not one of us. Back away. Now, look, it's easy for us to go after John. And, and I do. I think that John pulled a real five-year-old, meth, uh, five-year-old act right here. He didn't just say, you don't play with my stuff. You go somewhere else. He then went and told on him. Jesus, you're never going to believe what we saw. And what does Jesus say? The thing that we should all say to our five-year-olds, I ain't listening to this right now, go work it out yourself. So John is, is young in this place in, in, in ministry. Um, but John is really no different than the rest of us. John has fallen prey to what is a very human act, and, and that's just uh, the, the, the act of tribalism. John has fallen prey to, to, to just being so consumed with the group and with group think that John is a part. You see, if we're not careful, even being a part of a church can cease to be about Jesus and can be all about the people to whom we belong. Now, remember what I said. John's complaint was not that this man wasn't following Jesus. Don't miss that. John said he's not following us. Oh, heaven forbid we find ourselves in a place in ministry where my greatest concern is not whether or not those around me are ministering in the name of Jesus and following Jesus, but whether or not they are following me. But John has fallen prey, sort of slipped into tribalism. It's natural, even when it's not healthy, we like to belong to something. And psychology tells us that part of that belonging actually means that we, 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 we learn from it. We don't just learn from it. We glean from it. We, 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 we benefit from it. That's the word I'm trying to come up with. And it won't just come. If I can't come up with the word benefit, we're here for a long, long day before it's over with. But some research suggests to us that tribes are most strengthened not by the things that they are for and that they share in common, but instead by the things that they are against. That tribes tend to grow stronger when they have a common enemy. Folks, this is why the tribalism in our culture today is so toxic. Because in American culture, people at this stage of our life seem to, be, seem to want to be identified most by what they are against. And what psychology and, and others, psychologists and others help us to understand is that Once a group has identified something that they're against and that they can fight against, then they actually form a stronger group cohesion. Right? This is why Carolina fans hate who? Anybody that Carolina's playing and Clemson. Period. All the time. 
And Clemson fans, you're not any better, so don't even act like you are. Y'all got a national title, great. You still have to wear that hideous orange. I mean, really, when we think about it, if you knew that to win a national title, you'd have to wear orange and purple the rest of your life, would it be worth it? Probably not. Hush, we got a sermon to preach. I have the mic. Shh. Folks, that's, what, that, that's potentially what's happened right here. The disciples have formed a tribe. They're united around Jesus. And that's the thing that brings them together. Until something goes wrong, they get their feelings hurt. They get a little puncture, a little hole pumped in their balloon, and the air's beginning to leak out. They thought that they had it all together. I mean, for goodness sake, Peter, James, and John, they're up on the mountain with Jesus. They come back, and they're strutting. Remember, we talked about all that. We belong to Jesus. And yet, those who have been with Jesus for these years now can't even figure out how to cast out a demon. And then, when they are confronted about it, they just get the, the floor wiped with their heads as these scribes come through, and they explain to them all the things that they don't understand. The narrative continues on. Jesus foretells his death. They don't want to hear it. And then they get into an argument about which one of them is the greatest. And so they're walking around defeated at this point. Jesus has rebuked them for their pride and their ego. They're hanging their heads in shame. And as they're walking around, who knows where Jesus is at this point. They're walking through Capernaum. They've been through Galilee. They're in, they're in their hometown. They're in their stomping ground. And here when they walk back in and they expect a, a homecoming, Jesus and his boys have shown up. They wander up on some other guy claiming the name of Jesus and casting out a demon. And John, being the young fighter that he is, the son of thunder, walks up to this guy and says, oh, no, sir. No, 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 no. No, you don't belong to us. And so you have no share in this ministry I'm curious now we don't ever want to be a church that's known primarily for what we're against but I'm just curious don't raise your hand but have any of you ever felt alienated from serving the Lord because you didn't do it the way that somebody else did folks if you have I want you to know this sermon's for you today because the big question that we're wrestling with is who can do Christian ministry and can I go ahead and let you in on the end of the story? You. You can serve Jesus. He can use you in his kingdom. As a matter of fact, all who will call upon the name of the Lord can not only be saved, all who will call upon the name of the Lord will follow him, can serve him. He will use you. We concluded our message with that just last Sunday. But how in the world do we get there? The first thing this morning is we need to recognize the brokenness of our world. Recognize the scope of brokenness in our world. Do you know how messed up our world is? Do you know how messed up our world is? Folks, our world is in a mess. And listen, I'm not just talking... I mean, most of the time when people say our world is in a mess, they want to jump straight to politics. They want to jump straight to global catastrophes. I want you to not look quite that far. I want you to look next door. I want you to look across the street. 
I want you to look at the house at the end of your road. I want you to consider that there is brokenness everywhere you look. Talk to our school teachers. Talk to our school teachers who are encountering students every single day who come from broken homes and messed up places. Talk with our school teachers who are worried not about teaching commas in addition, but are trying to figure out how they're going to even get a kid who doesn't have electricity at home and who is not getting regularly fed to actually even just be comfortable and safe enough to feel like they can learn. There's brokenness everywhere we turn. And folks, when we consider who it is that can be involved in Christian ministry, if we will think carefully about the brokenness in our world, we will begin to understand that we can't do it all on our own. You see, John was in a mess because John didn't fully appreciate just how messed up the world was. It's possible right here that John had begun to believe somehow in a strange kind of sense of the word, that he and his 11 brothers and Jesus' entourage were going to fix the whole world all on their own. We all need some Johns in our life, just for the record. This is the good thing about young people. This is the really good thing about young people because young people believe they can change the world, right? You give me a teenager that gets on fire for Jesus and they will do stupid stuff. They will. They will do things that adults just won't do because they actually believe they can make a difference and thank God for them. Sometimes we as adults have thrown water on those fires far too soon. John's excited, but in this particular situation, John is a little bit out of line because John misunderstands the actual scope of brokenness in the world. This man's casting out a demon and brother John going, high five, great job, I'm so excited. John says, no, no, buddy, we ain't got room for you. I appreciate you, pal, but uh, see, there's 12 tribes and there's 12 disciples and you, you would be number 13 and 13 just isn't a really good number. So we appreciate you, good job, I guess, but don't ever do this again. Oh, and by the way, Jesus is my boy. So don't use his name unless you want to deal with me. And by the way, do you remember my nickname, Son of Thunder? I'm coming. And y'all all laugh like I'm crazy. They didn't get the nickname Sons of Thunder for no reason, okay? In the context of this passage, the disciples have argued over power and prestige. They've wanted the honor that accompanies a king's entourage. And when John sees somebody else doing that job, John is threatened. Folks, it can be so easy for us, you ready, as the official followers of Jesus to be intimidated or afraid or worried or concerned when we see people serving the Lord in ways that don't fit within our natural proclivities. I don't like the way some of y'all dress. Let me finish. Like, if I had my drathers, I would preach in a suit and tie every Sunday. I, I like it. Like I, I'm old school enough like that. I feel like it's a good idea. You know, I own one suit anymore because of all of y'all. I can't get y'all to wear a suit. I can't. I mean, like I'm close today. This is about it. This is. I'm, I'm excited. I got on my nice slacks and my, my nice jacket. But I didn't put a tie on because I knew if I had a tie and all this get up going on, I would outdress everybody in here. Right. 
So y'all are all wrong because y'all showed up to worship today in jeans. No, absolutely not. That's crazy, right? So what does Craig Thompson need to do? I, I got to dial it back a little bit. Why did I get rid of my suits? Because they were old and ratty. That's the first reason. But the second reason is because Angela looked at me one day. She said, why are you wearing that suit? I said, why are you talking to me like that? She said, nobody else is wearing a suit. And you know what? I was so blind. I hadn't even noticed. Honest to goodness, I hadn't. It's been years ago at this point. But I had not even noticed. Like, I was the only holdout in the whole place. I'm showing up in a suit and tie every Sunday and look around. There ain't nobody else in the whole place wearing a suit. Do you know it can be real easy for me to go, well, they don't even know, they don't even know what to do right thing. Do you know how easy it is for us to assume that the way that we've done something is the only way to do it? And if somebody else tries to do it a different way, they're just wrong. Folks, the first thing that we miss when we begin to believe that way is we miss the wide scope of hurt and pain and brokenness and sin in our world. And we say, only my way and the people who follow my way can actually make an impact and a difference. And in so doing, I completely closed my eyes. To a world that doesn't look like me or talk like me or act like me or think like me or minister in the way that I'm comfortable ministering. How do we break out of that mold? We open our eyes and we recognize just how much hurt and pain. John should have said this man was enslaved and he has been set free. And instead John said don't you ever speak the name of Jesus again. Recognize the scope of brokenness in our world. Number two, recruit others to the mission. See, when we invite someone to Jesus, we are and should be concerned for their salvation, but we can't miss the reality that we are also recruiting them to the mission of God. This recruitment begins with evangelism, but it can't stop there. Imagine the difference if John had armed this guy up and says, man, you got it going on. Come over here and hang out around us. Look, Jesus has got his 12 for reasons that I might not understand. But look, I think that if you'll come over and get close, you might benefit from some of this going on right here. Folks, when's the last time that you considered that your role of evangelist and disciple maker is not just for the intent purpose of seeing the person that you're speaking to save, but you would consider that there are people other than you who need to be serving in God's kingdom. The process of discipleship is about much more than just personal holiness. There is a world that needs Jesus, and trust me on this, they need Jesus far more than they need the ministry of Craig Thompson. Now let me explain that. People, let me back up. The brokenness of our world is so great, and the different kinds of people are so vast that we desperately need more laborers into this harvest that Jesus told us about. Okay? Now, if I'm not careful, I can begin to assume that the only ministry that works is the ministry that I do. And if I believe that, then I share the gospel with Adam and I get him saved and I bring him into my little happy place and, and we continue to fill him up with holiness and, and read your Bible and do all kind of good things. And then I say, now Adam, pray for me because I'm going to go share the gospel with this guy down the road. And I say, church, pray for me because I'm going to go do this. And I say, church, pray for me because I'm going to go do that. 
Part of our responsibility as disciple makers is not just pray for me as I go, but come with me and watch. Come with me and participate. And then, watch, let me pray for you as you go. You say, but Craig, he can't preach as well as you. Well, that might be your opinion, but there might be somebody who would much rather hear him preach than hear me preach. And God might use that to transform lives. You say, but Craig, I can't do it the way you can do it. And I say, praise the Lord. Because you don't need any more Craig Thompsons in the world. Some of y'all are laughing and I don't appreciate that. We need to be recruiting people for the mission of Jesus. And folks, we got to get past our idea that those who would serve the Lord look or act or smell or talk or think a certain kind of way. What was the threshold that Jesus gave right here? Do not stop him. Because he looks like you, John. That's not what he says at all. He says, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. Folks, do you understand how low the bar is right here for Jesus? I mean, seriously. He's not asking them to recite the Nicene Creed. Or to have memorized the book of Leviticus. He says, he who is not against us is for us. This is really good news for you. Because it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter where you came from. Jesus can use you. He says, what does it take? If you'll be for him, he'll be able to do something with you. It's pretty incredible, right? It's pretty awesome. These disciples who are so busy arguing about which one's the greatest... And they've already set up a careful pecking order of exactly who it is that's allowed to minister. No, no, no. Jesus, they're not a part of the 12. And Jesus is going, that's fine. That's fine. See, the disciples had misunderstood the wide birth, the incredible power of Jesus' ministry. The disciples believed that Jesus was working like an arrow in one particular place and didn't understand that when Jesus came onto the scene, that he began a cosmic takeover of this world and that nothing would ever be the same again. That the power of Jesus couldn't be concealed and it couldn't be hidden and it certainly couldn't be held in one small group. It was massive and life-changing. The disciples also didn't fully appreciate the power in the name of Jesus. Well, Jesus, he's not one of us. Jesus says, you don't get it. It ain't about being one of us. It's about being one with me. Recruit others to the mission. Look around. Who do you know that could serve Christ in his kingdom? Who do you know? When's the last time you were willing to, to, to take enough courage to look at somebody and say, I believe that you can make a difference in our church. You know what? I've been spending some time with you. I think you can make a difference in this place where you work. When's the last time you did that? When you spoke those kinds of strong words. Listen, we think about like the word of faith movement and, and prosperity preaching. They get a lot of things wrong. Because they, they have this belief that if we just speak it, we can actually speak things into power. Right? So if I just say I'm rich and I say it enough, I can eventually accomplish that purpose. 
Listen, that's, that's wrong at its extreme, but it's not wrong to recognize this. You have the opportunity to empower others to serve Christ with your words. You can change their life by letting them know that you actually believe in what they could do and what they could accomplish. But not just speaking into them, but being able to walk with them. Being willing to serve alongside them. Who do you know? Listen, look around you. How about this one? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Do you know that the person staring back at you every single morning can make a difference in God's kingdom? Not only can make a difference, listen to me. The person staring back at you in that mirror every single morning needs to make a difference in God's kingdom. Did I, did I say to you already how broken our world is? Did you hear me say earlier just how messed up the world is? We need you. We need you to serve the Lord in ways that fit within the gifts that God's given to you. Are you going to cast out demons? Probably not. Guess what? Neither did John. See, that's the irony. And yet Jesus still had a place for him. Recruit others. John was concerned this guy didn't follow us. But listen to what Jesus is concerned with. Not, that's not good. My battery just died. Jesus is not concerned. On oh, my iPad, so we'll see how this all finishes. Jesus is not concerned with whether or not you follow me, Craig Thompson. He's concerned with whether or not you follow him. At the end of the day, that is what matters most. You can make a difference in the world by serving the Lord with the gifts that he's given to you. Thank goodness for technology. Third this morning, not only must we recognize the brokenness, not only must we recruit others. Folks, we've got to celebrate the work of Christ in all places. We've got to celebrate the work of Christ in all places. Do you see God at work? What should you do? Celebrate. Celebrate. Now, this is pretty easy for us. We celebrate God's work in another country. We celebrate God's work in another state or in another city. But I, I, I wonder, do you celebrate God's work in your own backyard? How ready are you to celebrate the success of another church in our own community? Heard a pastor pray this way one time. really impacted me. Public prayer. And he prayed for a lot of things. He closes. He said, Lord, I'm praying for our church. But God, if... If, to reach this community one day, the best thing that could happen will be for this church to close and you to raise up something better right here, then Lord God, shut us down. Man, I, I liked that. A guy that says, I'm more concerned with God changing this community than I am with my own personal success or with the advance of our church. Folks, are you willing to celebrate the ministry successes of others in our own community? When you see another church growing, do you celebrate? Do you? Let's flip that around. When you see another church struggling, do you grieve? Does your heart hurt? Folks, other churches struggling is not reason for us to rejoice at what may come. It is reason for us to weep. Because our world is broken and we desperately need as many people as we can active in the mission. How about this one? Do you celebrate the ministry successes of individuals around you? When, when the student outpaces the teacher, do you celebrate that? What about a thriving senior adult ministry or a children's ministry or a student ministry? Do you celebrate those things that don't 
directly impact your life? Here's the hardest one for me. What about celebrating a successful ministry when somebody is able to succeed at the very things that you failed at? I heard some grunts in that one. That should hurt. That's hard, isn't it? That's really, really hard. When we step back and we see somebody else thriving in the same place where we failed miserably. What do we do in that moment? Do you know what's real easy for us to do? It's real easy for us to take those scenarios or those situations and, and sort of trying to explain them away. Well, you know, if I'd have pastored that church when they had 12 houses built next door, then I would have been able to do blah, 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 blah. Well, if I'd have had the opportunity to share Jesus with that guy when his, you know, right after his kid left home, then I could have. You know, we miss when we do all that. First of all, we miss Jesus in the whole thing, don't we? Me, 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 I, I, I. What's the second thing that we miss? We miss the opportunity to celebrate the Lord at work. What are we willing to suffer to see God's glory go forth? How much are we willing to lose to see God win? To see lives transformed? To see hearts changed? To see communities lifted up from the depths of struggle and pain and brokenness and set on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. How far are you willing to go to see the Lord Jesus glorified, honored, and praised? Are you willing to celebrate God's gifts in others that are not present in you? Are you? I learned a pretty good lesson from this um, from, from a, a former pastor of mine. And, and I, I've tried to, to, to live this same example here as, as a senior pastor. But um, he, he said to me right after I, I came to, to work at that church, he said two things. The first one, all, all of our staff hears, and they love it. You'll never be on a limb by yourself unless you put yourself there. And what our staff understands is unless... Unless I'm surprised by it, they never have to be wrong. As long as I know what's going on, right? As long as I know what's going on, they're not wrong. It buck stops with me. And if they came to me and I said, go for it, and it fails miserably, it's Craig's fault. They don't have to get blamed for it. Y'all come knock on my door. They love that, right? But the other thing that, that he told me, he said, we've tried a lot of things here that haven't worked. He said, but here's, here's my commitment to you. He said, Just because we couldn't make them work doesn't mean that we wouldn't be willing to try them again. He said, so if you've got an idea for the way that we might be able to do ministry that works here, he said, let's talk about it. He said, don't worry about what's been done. Let's think about what we can do to make a difference. Man, that thing stuck with me. It took a a, a very confident man... To look at me at about 22 years old and say, I've failed at a whole lot of things, but you may have gifts that will enable us to succeed in those same things. And I'm willing, I'm willing to ride with you into those things. Man, are we? Are we willing? I I wonder if maybe this guy had come to John first. Been like, hey, John, you know, we're, we're both from Capernaum. We, we, 
Listen, I, I saw you growing up. I know your brother, James, the scary one. Remember, Sons of Thunder, don't forget it. Look, y'all, we, we, read these, we read these disciples as though they're like little soft men that are sweet and kind. And, oh, look at him. He, he's just the one I want for my daughter. Look here, there's a good chance you didn't want your daughter with any of these guys. There's a pretty good chance that early on, those guys would have stuck out in this place like a sore thumb. We don't know why they were called the sons of thunder, but you never called somebody the son of thunder because they were sweet and kind and soft-footed. Right? That, that's, just, that's just the truth. These guys were probably brawlers. There was some reason that their nickname was... They came, maybe they came from a rough house. Sons of thunder, maybe their daddy was the loudest human being on the block. And he stepped out of that door every night and said, James and John, you better get your tails home or I'm going to beat you to death. We don't know. But chances are they didn't get, get nicknamed Sons of Thunder because they were just sweet and kind. So maybe this guy would have come up to John and been like, John, look, I, I know your brother James. He used to beat me up. I kind of watched you grow up. But I, I know that I don't fully understand it, but I know that Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. I've seen what he does. And look, John, I know y'all are tight. Like, there's this rumor about you being the one that he loves. There's this rumor that you're his favorite. John, there's this guy. There's this guy I know he's my neighbor. Second cousin twice removed. He lives right beside us and he's got some real mess going on. Substance abuse. He's abusive toward his family. John, I'm, I'm convinced that this guy's got a demon. John, what should I do? I wonder if John would have said, Psh, ain't nothing you can do. We tried and we failed, so maybe if you're lucky, we can get Jesus to show up. But how often have we done that? Huh? How often have you driven past that house and said, well, there's John. Man, people have tried for years. Don't waste your time. I'm curious, how many of you have been the person that folks said, well, well there's James. People tried for years, but don't waste your time. How many of you have been that guy until the one time when the moments weren't wasted? In that one time, you wandered in the back door of a church, afraid the place would burn down. And the preacher preached a sermon that came right at you. And there was no explanation except that perhaps the God of the universe cared enough about you to send an arrow right into your heart. He convicted you of your sins. And in that moment, all of those wasted words were suddenly worth it. And you were miraculously, dramatically changed, saved, transformed, rescued. You see, this guy didn't go and say, John, help me figure out the best way. He just showed up maybe in desperation. Maybe it was his brother. And he said, I don't have anything left. I know that this isn't the man I grew up with. I can't believe that you could become this evil. There's got to be an answer. There's got to be a demon. And he wanders over and he says, you demon, in the name of Jesus. And people are staring at him like this guy's lost his mind. See, that's what happens when we start serving Jesus. People look at us like we're crazy. And his mama's going, honey, you better, he's going to hurt you. 
You need to get out of there. And he says, you demon, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I don't know what I'm doing. But God, I know that Jesus is able. And in the name of Jesus, I I command, come out. Something incredible happens. Everybody else has wasted words. I've come together into that moment. And the God of the universe meets with sin head on. And he dramatically, miraculously, wonderfully rescues a man from the clutches of evil and delivers him from the domain of darkness and transfers him into the kingdom of the beloved Son of God. And he meets John and says, let me tell you what happened. And John says, nah, nah, dog. No, no, you don't get to do that. You don't look the right way. You don't talk the right way. You see, I'm the son of thunder, but I know who you are. And it brings us all the way back to the question of who can do ministry. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord. And who are we? As God's children to not celebrate God's work in all the places where we find it. Henry Blackaby got it right when he wrote Experiencing God and said that we need to see where God is at work and jump in. Why? Because you're not going to be the catalyst for every good thing that happens in the world. And you don't have the answers for all the things that need to take place. And guess what? There's going to be times in your life when Jesus might use you powerfully. And there will be other times in your life when you're just going to be in the background. And it's okay because you're not in charge. Jesus is. And then we come all the way back around to the disciples Once again, getting reprimanded by Jesus. Young John steps up and says, Jesus, can you believe this guy? And Jesus says, John, have you lost your mind? John, this guy's on our team, John. He's not speaking evil about us. He didn't pull a sword. John, he didn't report us to Rome. And John, guess what? A man that has been healed... In the name of Jesus, will not quickly turn against us. John, the one who is not against us, is for us. And all of a sudden, John's us sounds a little bit different, doesn't it? Because this isn't John's us, this is Jesus' us. And it's pretty powerful that in this moment, Jesus doesn't say the one who is not for me is against me, or the one who is not against me is for me. Jesus says the one who is not against us is for us. doesn't seem all that powerful except for 39. Do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. And then Jesus does something that doesn't work in English class and he switches from single to plural. Why? Because John is getting beat to death all over again. 16, 17, 18 year old John is getting abused at the hands of Jesus. Jesus is just looking at him and dressing him down. See, we don't appreciate it because we're not there. You're not the one who looked into Jesus' face and saw Jesus' face turn to disappointment. 
You're not the one who remembered Jesus going, oh, faithless generation, just a few verses back and go, oh, I'm the faithless generation. I'm so stupid. And Jesus says, the one who is not against us is for us. And in so doing, Jesus says, who can do my work? John, that guy can do my work, but John, so can you. Huh. Jesus wasn't done. For truly I say to you, John, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will not by no means lose his reward. John, you feel like a failure today because that guy casts out a demon and you don't seem to be able to do anything right. Well, John, remember, this isn't a you and them. This is an us, and we're going to be okay. And he says, John, remember, in my kingdom, he who is the least will be first. In my kingdom, he who who would lead must serve. And John, in my kingdom, he who would cast out demons is no more important than the one who gives you a cup of cold water in my name. Man, I love this one. I love this one. I get excited. And this is why. Because I've seen a bunch of arrogant church people talk about how valuable a preacher is and devalue a nursery worker. Really? God says, Jesus says, if you'll give a cup of cold water in my name, you will by no means lose your reward. You say, I can't preach. I say, that's just fine. I don't wipe bottoms very well. So we'll be okay. You say, I can't preach. I say, I can't lead music, so we're going to be fine. You say, but Craig, I can't preach. I say, who cares? What can you do? Because in God's kingdom, there's room for you. But then he's not done. See, Jesus is this overfilling well of joy. And I didn't pick up on this to begin with. I didn't realize that he's beaten John to death with his love right here. See, we, we read through it quickly. And we miss this part. I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of cold water to drink because you belong to Christ. You say, what's the big deal? They kind of, no, they didn't. Jesus doesn't refer to himself as Christ. He said, right here. There's just a few other occasions in the book of Mark where Jesus does. And they're not, they're not sort of self-revelatory. Jesus says, John, you're not getting it all figured out. And John, I know that you might be beginning to believe that that guy, that guy is the one who's got it all together. He says, but John, you belong to me. In your failures, in your mess-ups, John, you're still mine. And I'm not done with you yet. So who can do Christian ministry? Let's back this up. Who are the best people to do Christian ministry? Messed-up people who got straight 
when Jesus took hold of their life. Because I'm going to tell you something, people that come from brokenness and understand brokenness and are living to, willing to live with brokenness are able to minister to broken people. He can actually use you. He can do something with you. Who can minister? Who can serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Guess what? It's more than the guy that wears a tie on Sunday morning. Who can serve the Lord Jesus? The people who recognize that our world is so broke that we can't do it alone. Who can serve the Lord Jesus? Anyone who is willing to claim the name of Christ. That means that others are serving Jesus and we should be grateful. We should celebrate. We should get up every... Listen, I've gotten to where I was so excited this morning. I wake up in the mornings on Sunday mornings. And this morning, I, you know, I, I expect God to do something great here. I do. I hope you do. I hope you're inviting people to come to church with you. I invited somebody yesterday at Lowe's, had my dog. They said, hey, nice dog. I said, Dad, thank you. You got a church? See, you can transition all sorts of ways. Take a kid. They'll talk about your kid, too. Hey, well, what about your church? I said, it's great. I love it. You should come. It's a great place to be. I hope you all feel the same way. I wake up on Sunday mornings. Like this morning, I was writing in my journal, and I just realized that it wasn't like an arrogant, God better do something today. It was just like, man, if, if, if I showed up today and God just broke out and 78 people got saved, I don't think I'd be surprised. I'd celebrate, but I'm just, I'm just in a place where I'm just expecting God to do incredible things because he's that kind of God. But that also means that we should celebrate when others are doing great things. If I get a call from the church down the road and 27 people got saved today, guess what? I'm going to cut a backflip. I'm going to be thrilled, slammed to death. Who can serve the Lord Jesus? People that can push away their tribalism and celebrate God's successes no matter where they might be found. Who can serve the Lord Jesus Christ? You can. You, right there in your seat, right there in your home, right there in your place of work. Kids, right there in your schools. For goodness sakes, they need you. We need you. We need you to engage. We need you to recruit. Why? Because what is Christian ministry? Folks, it's not this. It's not a coat and tie on Sunday mornings. Yeah, this is part of it. This is what God's called and gifted me to do. But Christian ministry is Jesus' ministry. It's ministry done in the name of Jesus by people who love Jesus, even if they don't seem to fit in with the established paradigm. What is Christian ministry? It is the service you offer to Jesus for the good of others. And you're not too broken to serve God and his kingdom. You get excited about Jesus, there's going to be some people that sort of try to tamp that down. You know who the first people will be? Church people. Okay? Even some of ours, we're not perfect. Okay? Because we church people, we can, we can become those tribalistic types that go, no, no, this is how we do it. Don't get too excited in worship. Right? Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't talk too much about Jesus. You might scare somebody away. Psh, you get excited about Jesus and people are going to look at you kind of funny. That's okay, because Jesus can use somebody with just a little bit of faith. But look, the devil would seek to convince you. Your own prideful flesh would seek to convince you that because you failed, you can't be useful in God's kingdom. And I want to remind you what Jesus had to say to John. This is an us kind of ministry. Us, John. And John, you belong to Christ. Do you belong to Christ today?
Do you? You say, Pastor, I, I do, but, but I've, I've really made some terrible mistakes. Okay. You remember Peter that denied him three times, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you remember the restoration experience that Peter had right there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee? Jesus fed him. He served him. He loved him. John mopes up to Jesus defeated. And Jesus says, John, you're still mine. And folks, I'm here to tell you today that if you've given your heart and life to Jesus, though you may have strayed, he's not finished. And he hasn't let you go. Because his promise is that those whom the Father has given me are mine indeed and no one will snatch them out of my hands. You're safe in the the grip of Jesus. And folks, if you're safe in the grip of Jesus, there's nothing you can't do. Some of you this morning, listen to me. You don't need to be preached to. You need to be loved on. And God loves you right where you are. He will wash you, clean you, restore you, use you. Why do you run from the one that loves you more than anybody else? There's some of you, though, that don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you that he came to seek and to save the lost. And if that's you today, he came for you. And God's kingdom needs people like you. Let me me rephrase that. A lost world needs people like you carrying the love of Jesus to hard and dark places, to hard and dark people, so that they may see the light. This altar will be open. Would you like to come today and just pray, Lord God, thank you for loving me. Some of you may want to come and say, Lord God, would you wash me clean, God? God, would you hold me? Would you show me? Some of you may just need Jesus to whisper into your ear, I love you. He has. As a matter of fact, he screamed it from the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. You are your beloved's and he is yours. And his banner over you is love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd work this morning. Father God, though it is often hard for us to receive your love because we bought the lies of the world, the lies of Satan, Lord God, the lies of even our own pride. God, some of us have, have, have lied to ourselves for so long and said, God, I don't need you. Lord God, today would you break us down and make us free. Lord, others have believed that lie that, God, we can't be used, that we can't be clean enough, we can't be good enough, we can't be right enough. And Lord God, Jesus says, no, you can't, but I am. Lord, would you work? Father, would you meet us where we are and change us as only you can. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning? And as we sing, would you sing to the Lord? I once was lost. I walked away. The road was dark. I could not see. But Jesus is not finished. Would you sing today and would you come if the Lord leads you?